0: Tonight is called The Hope of Glory, Witness, Warning, and Wisdom. So two weeks ago, we came very close to bringing our study of chapter one to a conclusion. Uh, we looked in detail at verses 25 and 26. And tonight, we will bring the first quarter of Paul's epistle of, to the Colossians to a conclusion. Finally, chapter one is coming to an end. Amen. And tonight, we will focus our attention on the three remaining verses of Colossians chapter 1. That's 27, 28, and 29. Um, Can any of you who were present two weeks ago at our last study remember the title that we gave to part 11? Three M's. The minister, not the manger, the manager. I was going to say manger. Too early for that, isn't it? (laughs) The minister the, <laughs> the minister, the manager, and the mystery. That was our last uh, study. And we considered the apostle Paul, who, who consistently referred to himself in this letter and in many others as a minister of the gospel, a minister to, as he put it, to fulfill the word of God. And a few weeks back, we looked at this word translated as minister and what Paul was, was saying to the believers there in Colossae, okay? And it was a word meaning an attendant, That is, it could be a waiter at a table or other menial duties, uh, specifically a Christian teacher and pastor, a deacon, a minister, or a servant. So we looked at that word. And we talked about how Paul was now faithfully executing, um, not the believers, (laughs) thankfully, as he did in his former way of life, but now he was executing God's command, okay? Now that he was, his life had turned around and he was not executing the believers, but executing God's command, he was executing the commands, the wishes, and the desires of Jesus Christ, his Lord and his Master. And we discovered in part 11 that Paul had received this role, this responsibility, this calling, this duty by the, do you remember the word, the stewardship of God, by the stewardship of God. In this portion, we saw God in this role as like a heavenly office manager, a steward, a house manager, an overseer over all his affairs in the heavens and on the earth. Amen. And God... We learned that God had placed Paul in this position. Paul had not placed himself there. It was the Lord who wanted Paul there and it was the Lord's stewardship and his wisdom in delegation that placed Paul exactly where God saw him best fulfill his ministry and practice. This was all God's doing. It was all part of God's great and glorious plan to reveal this mystery. We talked about the mystery. To reveal this mystery that had been hidden from generations and ages past And it was revealed to the nations, to those in Colossae, to those in Philippi, to those in Rome, to those in Thessalonica, all over Asia Minor. This mystery, this hidden truth, what was it? It was the revelation of God in Christ reconciling the world unto himself. This mystery, now revealed to the saints, to God's holy people, was the full revelation of God's plan of salvation through his only begotten son, Jesus Christ, remember in whom it pleased the Father that all of the fullness of divinity would dwell. What was once hidden, church, was now fully revealed. Amen. God in Christ and salvation for the nations. You see, the curtain had now been fully pulled back and God's grace, his mercy, his love Amen. had been poured out on the believers here Amen. in Asia Minor as it has on us here in Glenmacken. Amen. Amen. I would love to read for you the entire last portion of chapter one, including what we read in our last study leading into tonight's passage. So this is the end of Colossians 1 from verse 24. I now rejoice in my sufferings for you and fill up in my flesh what is lacking in the afflictions of Christ for the sake of his body, which is the church, of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God which was given to me for you to fulfill the word of God. The mystery which has been hidden from ages and from generations, but now has been revealed to his saints. To them God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Him we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus To this end, I also labor, striving according to his working, which works in me mightily. Church, what a wonderful passage of Scripture from the book of Colossians. You see, God had a glorious purpose in revealing this mystery and this hidden truth to the nations, including those here in the city of Colossae. And part of this purpose, as we discovered in verse 27, which we just discovered, was this. To them God will to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles or the nations, Amen. which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Did you hear that? Church, say that with me. Christ in you, the hope of glory. God willed, God desired to make known to show what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the nations, in the nations, and to the nations. Well, what are the riches of the glory of this mystery? What are the glorious riches of this hidden truth now being revealed to the saints? Well, Paul told us, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Amen. Amen. The the Greek word translated as riches carries the meaning of richness and abundance. So Paul here in this letter, speaking to the believers in Colossae, he's speaking of the richness of God's glory and the abundance of that God's glory contains. Church, there is a divine richness and a complete and total abundance where God's glory is concerned. There's nothing missing from it. It is a rich glory and it is an abundant glory. Can you say amen? Amen. And those at Colossae who had received the gospel and believed it by faith now had this abundant glory. They had this very glory, the very glory of the Son of God, Jesus Christ dwelling within them dwelling within them. Paul was saying, saints, Christ is now in you. He is among you, dwelling and abiding in you by his Holy Spirit, and this is your hope of glory. I'm sorry if I get excited tonight, but I love this. This is good news, isn't it? And Paul is saying to the Colossian believers, you know, if Christ is within you as a believer, Amen. dwelling if Christ is within you as a believer, dwelling and abiding within your heart and within your mind, you have this hope of glory. You can be confident. You can be fully confident in the hope of eternity with Jesus Christ. Hope. Oh, oh sorry. Hope. El peace. That's what this word is. It comes from a word which means to anticipate, usually with pleasure. It's Expectation. It's a confidence, it's a faith, and a hope. Thayer says this, it's an expectation of good or an expectation of hope. And in the Christian sense, it's joyful and confident expectation of eternal salvation. And we all have that, don't we? We all have that hope. To have this hope of glory, that Paul calls it, is to have an excitement, an excitement, church, and a pleasurable expectation in Christ. Okay? Can we all get excited and, and be expectant? It is to, it is to have a confidence, sorry, it's to have a confidence, it's to have a faith and a hope that is secure and settled in the heavens. It's the expectation of glory and the faithful confidence of glory. Amen. And you know what? While you wait, while we wait for that future hope, we have quite, Christ sorry, dwelling within us right now. Today, tonight, where you sit, He dwells within you. You don't have to wait for this. It's happening right now as you live out your life for him today. Church, he is dwelling in you. He is abiding in you by his precious Holy Spirit. And you have, I promise you, have that full assurance that you will one day share in his glory. The Good News Bible puts it like this. God's plan is to make known his secret to his people, this rich and glorious secret which he has for all peoples. And the secret that is that Christ is in you, which means that you will share in the glory of God. Christ is in you. You will share in the glory of God. Isn't that good news, church? Amen. For all of us. Jesus Christ dwelling within us today and we will share in that future glory. And we can have full confidence, and we can have full assurance of this. Do you know why? Because thankfully it has nothing to do with us. It has nothing to do with us. We did not make this possible. We play no part at all in this glorious and life-changing truth. It does not happen by our own works, thankfully, or our own efforts, thankfully, by by any spirituality or righteousness. righteousness. We may think we have no church This is about, this is all about what Jesus Christ has done and his abiding and his indwelling presence in each of our lives. This is a glorious truth. This is a life-changing and a life-transforming truth. Think about it. Really, I had to think about it as I was studying for this. Christ lives in me and he lives in you, residing in your heart the very seat of your being by his precious and glorious Holy Spirit. It's too good to be true, but it's the truth tonight. It was true for the Colossians way back there in AD 64, and it's true for all of us this evening who have received the gospel and believed on Jesus Christ. Galatians 2, church, I'm not trying to teach my granny how to suck eggs tonight, but you all know these scriptures, right? You all know them. I have been crucified with Christ It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Did you see what Paul said? It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. 2 Corinthians 13. Examine yourselves as to whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not know yourselves that Jesus Christ is in you? Unless indeed you are disqualified, but I trust that you will know that we are not disqualified. Church, tonight, we're all qualified. We're all qualified. Paul writes to the believers in Corinth. Sorry, Romans. Romans 8. And if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. Here again, writing to the believers in Rome, Paul says, Christ is in you. And if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, But the Spirit, the Spirit of Christ that dwells within you is life because of righteousness. Church, you all have life. We've been brought from death into life. But remember, it's His righteousness and not our own. And church, consider this incredible passage from Paul as he writes uh, to to those he loves in the city of Ephesus. Ephesians 3 for this reason, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, there's that phrase again, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might through his Spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Amen. Amazing, isn't it? Amen. And it's not finished. That you, may, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Paul is saying to Ephesus here that according to God's glorious riches, you will be strengthened with all might Amen. by his Holy Spirit in your inner man. Amen. Christ will dwell in your hearts through faith and then you'll fully comprehend. the. That's the width, isn't it? The width. We'll do the length the same. The length, the depth, and the height. There must be different, but I don't know. I don't know the difference. Of the love of Christ. It's so high. You can't get over it. It's so low. You can't get under it. It's so wide. You can't get round it. God's wonderful love. Yeah? Brilliant. I knew you'd know that one, Hugh. Church, this is true of us two here tonight at Glenmachon. This is what God desires for all of us, as he did for those in Ephesus, Galatia, and Colossae. Nothing has changed. Why? Because he hasn't changed. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. It's only us that change, right? right. And his desire is that all of us have Christ dwelling deep within our hearts by faith, so that we can comprehend this never-ending, his perfect and unfailing love. Look, we must keep moving tonight. I'd love to keep singing that, but I've got more to say. We'll never get out of chapter one. Colossians 27 to 29. To them God will to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, or the nations, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Him we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. To this end, I also labor, striving according to his working, which works in me mightily. Look, in our final two verses of Colossians chapter one, we have what many call Paul's motto for ministry. Paul's motto for ministry And that's exactly what this is. Two short verses that lay out for us in a concise and clear way Paul's motto for ministry that was given to him under that stewardship and management of God. Paul writes uh, in in part A of verse 28, him, that is Jesus Christ we preach, warning and teaching every man and woman, of course, in all wisdom. Look, if you've read any amount of the New Testament, you will know that this is exactly what Paul was called to do. Amen. And he did it. He went and did it. He travelled around the known world on three journeys that we know about preaching, proclaiming the good news of the gospel, the forgiveness of sins, reconciliation with God, and Christ living in you, Amen. the hope of glory. Paul was sent by Jesus to the nations to preach as an apostle Amen. under that oversight of God Himself. And Paul, as we know, was called by the grace of God from Galatians, and Paul was obedient to his call. And Paul was a preacher first. Paul loved to preach because he was called to proclaim, declare, announce the good news concerning Jesus Christ and his new covenant with Israel. And that's what this word means to preach. Katangelo. Okay, Katangelo. It's to declare, it's to proclaim, it's to announce. If you're called to preach, that's what you're called to do. Declare, proclaim, and announce. And Paul fulfilled his calling by traveling and declaring the word of God. He announced the good news of salvation in every town and every village that he came to, whether he was welcome or not. He did it. Paul writes that he and his fellow workers in the gospel, including Timothy, including Epaphras, including John, Mark, and Barnabas, they were called to warn and teach every man. Here we have Paul's witness witness warning and wisdom. You see, Paul's preaching, preaching is a witness. It's a witness. And now he warns with wisdom. But church, this is not the kind of warning that we might assume, because when we hear warning, we might think of danger or fear. But the Greek word here is more related to counseling, what you would do as a counselor. And this word that Paul used here really meant Paul was trying to impact understanding and to lay things on the hearts and minds of the people. This warning that Paul was using as part of his ministry was to influence the intellect also and the will of the people he brought the good news to. You see, he was appealing to their very hearts and to their very minds, to their intellect and disposition. Look, I know by looking at all of you tonight, you're all an intellectual bunch, aren't you? Some of you? You are all, you are a clever people. I know you are. Well, Paul was trying to appeal to people's intellect. Paul's heart and desire was to bring the gospel of Jesus into the mind and the heart of every single man and woman that he could. He preached with passion, he preached with purpose, and he preached out of a place of purity. And we know what he preached. He preached Christ and Christ crucified. Isn't that what he said himself? I preach Christ crucified. Paul also wanted to connect this preaching and warning with the faith of the men and women that he met on his journeys. And that's why he used the word teaching. You see, Paul made it his business also to instruct alongside witness and warning. And he taught with all wisdom. Church, this was different than preaching and warning. This was sound instruction and truth that the people needed alongside preaching and the proclamation of the good news. And you know what? We still need both today. We still need taught today. People need to hear preaching and proclamation, but they also need to be taught the word of God. In wisdom, sound instruction of doctrine and theology. We need preaching and teaching in the church, and we need both to be done with wisdom. We need, just as the Colossians did, Witness, warning, and wisdom through preaching and teaching. You see, Paul was committed to all three of these and the church needs to be more committed to them more than ever today. We need to stay grounded in the word of God. The Bible is our centerpiece for everything, for our belief, our practices, for everything we do. And it was the very thing that Paul was sent to fulfill in witness, warning, and wisdom. Why? Why was Paul so passionate concerning preaching? Why was Paul so zealous about teaching the nations and bringing this teaching to the churches? Why was he so passionate about the calling that God had given to him under the Lord's divine stewardship? Well, he tells us in the final phrase of verse 28, that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. Church, this was Paul's end goal. This was Timothy's end goal. This was Epaphras' end goal. That the believers there in Colossa, through preaching of the gospel, by the teaching of sound instruction, would be presentable to Christ Jesus. Perfect. Now, don't worry. God does not demand perfection from us. Thankfully. He is the only one who is perfect in all things. He's the only one. The Greek word is teleos, okay, and it means complete in labor, growth, mental and moral character, completeness of full age, man, perfect, okay, fair, in his definition, brought to its end, finished, okay. Do you get a sense of what Paul and his workers in the gospel desire for the believers here? Church, I don't believe that Paul and Timothy would want any less for us. Paul's desire was that the believers there in Asia Minor, through hearing and believing that gospel and sitting under that sound teaching, that instruction, that doctrine, would live out their lives in the fear and service of the Lord. And from that, they would grow into mature, complete, and perfect, in inverted commas, disciples. Okay? Perfect in maturity and of full age spiritually. Full grown in spiritual things. Not feeding on the milk anymore, perfectly instructed in the doctrines of Jesus, mature in faith and practice. You know why? Because what we know must affect what we do. Now that you know this, you can't go away and live your life however you want. What we learn, church, should affect how we live. It should, and if it doesn't, we're not listening. Paul then brings this paragraph to a close with words concerning his own heart and passion for his ministry and where his energy and his might come from. Verse 29, to this end, I also labor, striving according to his working, which works in me mightily. Church, Paul was passionate about the saints hearing the word. He was passionate about them living by the word and living in the word. He labored with zeal, with persistence, with patience and intention, Why? So that every man and woman who came under the sound of the proclamation of the gospel, who had received the wisdom with sound instruction concerning the doctrines of Jesus, would in the end be presented mature, full grown in spiritual matters before the king, before Jesus. Paul was striving. This word literally means agonizing. Paul was agonizing. Paul was using all of his energies to accomplish this. You know, the, the word here that Paul actually used was the word that the Greeks used to talk about wrestling. Now, I loved wrestling when I was growing up. The fake wrestling, not the real wrestling. But you know what I'm talking about? The Greek games, the Roman and the Greeks, the wrestling. This word has an athletic and a sporting context. It was used of mastery in the Greek games. And now Paul uses it to describe himself, his calling as he wrestles to get those he had reached with the gospel into a place of maturity and completeness in Jesus Christ. Church, Paul was serious about his calling and his commitment to the Lord. I wonder, can we say the same? Can we say the same tonight? Are we wrestling? Are we striving? Are we agonizing with the calling that God has given us? I wonder if we are committed to the cause of Christ as Paul was, witnessing, working, wrestling in the calling that God has given to us. Look, let Paul be an example to all of us tonight. Where did Paul get this energy? Where did he get this power and strength? From the Lord, from the Lord who worked in him mightily. That's what Paul said, who works in me mightily. And you know what? You see, if God calls you, if God honestly calls you, he will give you the strength to carry it out. He will remember Christ is in you, the hope of glory. Look, we're called to be his witnesses, to warn and appeal to those around us concerning the gift of salvation, to use wisdom as we teach the word, whether from the pulpit or by the living sacrifice that is your life. Look, go out tonight knowing and believing with full confidence in the richness and the abundance of his glory. That is Christ in you, the hope of glory, abiding and dwelling in you by his spirit. Look, let me read for you Colossians 1:28 to 29 again. And this is from the easy to read version. I know I always make a joke about that, but hopefully you'll understand it if you haven't understood anything else. All right, this was written for children, so hopefully you'll get this. Okay. So let's read this again. So we continue to tell people about Christ. We use all wisdom to counsel every person and teach every person. We are trying to bring everyone before God as people who have grown to be spiritually mature in Christ. To do this, I work and struggle using the great strength that Christ gives me. That strength is working in my life. Church, I pray that that strength is working in your life and that you'll use wisdom, you'll you'll, you'll warn people, you'll you'll witness to people, and that you'll give your all to Jesus Christ. And I hope you've been blessed by the word.